Okay, Hebra, we're um, about to experience another Shabbos before Yom Kippur, Shabbos Shuva, and um, give us an opportunity to discuss um, some ideas on this particular topic. Um, and uh, we'll dive straight into a Midrash, which uh, gives us an opportunity to, to see a connection between the concept of Shabbos Shuva and uh, the personalities that play a role in the idea of Shabbos Shuvah, the Avtorah, so we'll see through that Avtorah a, a throwback to the beginning of, of Amishel's history. So we all know well that the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is, um, is known as Shabbos Shuvah, and uh, it takes its title from the opening Pasuk of the Avtorah, Shuvah Yisrael, Arashem Elokecha, where Hoshaya tells us, or Exhort Am Yisrael to do tshuva, tshuva Yisrael, Ad Hashem Elokecha. Now, the Midrash has an interesting link, uh, taking us back to the early parts of our history. And that is that the nature of tshuva was already experienced by a number of different um, personalities that we, uh, that we find in Tanakh. The, the very first Midrash that talks about uh, tshuva is Adam and Chava. Adam and Chava sinned in the Garden of Eden. And um, they were then motivated. Adam found a way to um, unlock the power of Shuva. And um, he, uh, as a result of this, he actually composed, according to one way of thinking, one line in the Midrash, is that the ability to take time off and contemplate about what he had done um, allowed him to discover Shuva. Without, without being able to take a step back and uh, shut out all the surround sound, he wouldn't have found, uh, he wouldn't have found an opportune time for, for, for tshuva. And this is why uh, the concept of, of Shabbos and being Shabbos tshuva is, uh, is interesting, an interesting one because the link between Shabbos itself and tshuva is not at first clear. And our understanding of it is that the uniqueness of Shabbos is that everybody who keeps Shabbos, really, if you do it properly, it means one has a chance to take a step back from uh, the ground of the of the week and um, to declutter and, and to not be busy. And when you give yourself a bit of time to to recap on your on your behavior over the week, so then you start to be able to see where one can improve. So Shabbos is sort of the time out which allows one to. Uh, you know, to really do some sort of uh, introspection. So Shabbos Shuvah is now linked. And Adam Arishon, by taking, um, you know, by taking a bit of a time out to work out what, where, where he went wrong and how he could, he could uh, deal with it, um, that, uh, that, that gives the link between the concept of Shabbos and, uh, and, and, and the concept of Tshuva. So uh, we know that the concept of Tshuva, therefore, has already been experienced by, uh, by, by Adam Marishon, and um, he's the first person we find it by. We then, uh, we then have other Midrashim that point to personalities. Um, even Yishmael is, uh, is given a, a, you know, a good write-up towards the end of um, his life, and that he, he, did, he did Tshuva. But the one that... Um, one that really comes into his own, according to the Midrash, is, uh, is Reuven. 
And so what happens is, is that the, the Pasuk, which describes what happened at the, at the pit, um, is, is a little bit uh, poetic and needs some explanation. So when, when the brothers decide they're going to get rid of Yosef, at first they want to kill him, and then uh, the idea is to throw him into this pit and let him, and then they sold him off to slavery. Now, what it tells us, the Pasuk tells us is that when Yosef, uh, when Ruvain stepped in to try and save Yosef, he said to them, throw them, don't kill him, throw him into one of these pits. Um, the Pasuk then says, Vayashov Ruvain elabor, and Ruvain returned to the pits. Now, one of the ways of reading the Pasukim is that Ruvain, the Pasuk testifies that Ruvain wanted to save Yosef. So when he said, throw him into this pit, he had a he had intention to come back and to come back and get him and let him go back to, to Yaakov Avinu. So when it says Vayashov Ruvain Elabor, that Ruvain returned to the pit, we understand it that he, he returned to get to get to get Yosef. That's the that's the Pashat Pshat um, according to most. Now, when it says Vayashov, he returned. What what does that mean? Um, does it mean that they were at this pit? They went away and they came back to this pit. Um, but it, it doesn't tell us that where he went, that he needed to return. Where where did Ruvain go? Rashi quotes a midrash that um, that tells us as follows: that um, Ruvain Ruvain was in a uh, an exercise of, of repentance um, for what he had done to uh, to Yaakov Avinu. He had insulted Yaakov Avinu. He had he had put his nose where it shouldn't have gone. And um, the way it plays itself out is that Ruvain thought that uh, Yaakov Avinu, um, after Rachel died, Yaakov Avinu moved um, his main bed into the tent of, of Bilha. Um, and Ruvain felt that that was an insult to Leah. And therefore, he moved Yaakov's bed into, into uh, Leah's tent. Now, yeah, Ruvain getting involved in this whole story um, was inappropriate. And at best, opinion number one is that he just insulted Yaakov Avinu uh, opinion number two was that he actually, he actually, you know, he was violent against uh, against Bilha. And um, anyway, let's use the what the Gomorrah thinks that he didn't he didn't really rape uh, Bilha, but he it was as if he did because he he removed Yaakov Avinu's main bed from from her tent. So either way, however we interpret what's going on, the Gomorrah says. That whoever thinks Ruvain really sinned, literally, he's making a mistake. But there are opinions in the Gomorrah that argue this point out. Nevertheless, Ruvain had come into a compromised position vis-a-vis Yaakov Avinu, and uh, he had now engaged in this exercise of tshuva. So the Midrash comes along and joins a few dots here. The Midrash says that when the Pasuk tells us, Vayash of Ruvain elabor, that he when he, he returned to the pits, what um, what the midrash is really telling us 
is, is as follows. The Midrash says that Vayashov is a lashon of tshuva, that he, he was engaged in an exercise, and that's why he separated himself from the brothers, not, be, you know, not because he wanted to distance himself from them, but he had work to do on himself. He had to force himself to contemplate what he had done and the effects of it and try and you know, um, regret his decision, regret his behavior and ask for Mechila. So according to this understanding that Ruvain was doing tshuva for this particular sin. And um, and this is this is where this is what um, what Ruvain was doing when it says Vayashov, he continued to engage in his act of of tshuva. So it comes along the midrash and says that Ruvain was unique in the annals of the history of people doing tshuva. Um, and uh, the way the midrash says it is that Kosh Baruch Hu comes along and says that. Um, Akosh Baruch says, there was never a person who sinned before me and did tshuva. Um, and, and, and therefore, you, Ruvai, need to be celebrated because you're the first person who did tshuva. And, and as, as, a, as an act of reward for your uh, efforts to do tshuva, Hashem says to Ruvai, I'm going to bless you with a descendant who's going to be, who's going to Make you know it's going to sound the clarion call to Am Israel to do tshuva, and who is the descendant? It's uh, it's Oshaya, and he's called Klal Israel is Shuvah Israel Adashem Melokecha. So that's the somewhat uh, interesting cryptic midrash. Number one, the problems that we face straight away by reading the midrash is what does it mean that Ruvain was the first person to do tshuva? We just spoke about Adam Arishon, Ishmael, and the others who did, who did tshuva. Um, uh, uh, so that's the question number one. What does it mean that he's the first, you know, to do to do tshuva? Number two, um, why, why was Hoshea the first navi to to call Klal Yisrael to tshuva? Um, every single navi, that was the job. Every single navi got up and and called Am Yisrael to do tshuva. Um, so what does this mean in the Midrash that uh, Ruvain was, was the first person to do it? And uh, as a result, Toshaya became the first Navi to, to also call Kalishal Tshuva. So in order to answer this, we've got to come up with an understanding which differentiates Ruvain's um, expression of Tshuva to anybody else's expression of Tshuva. And in order to do this, we have a Chirush that's in the writings of the Ketav Sofer, some sort of his son, uh, who, who writes a, a suggestion to understand, you know, this particular midrash. So he says, the club sofer says as follows. He says, when a person looks at a balance sheet of, of their behavior, and we all look at our balance sheet and, and get upset about where we've gone wrong. And when we, so, so when any one of us normal people who look at the balance sheet uh, to do tshuva, what really, what really is happening is, is that we violated Averot. That puts us, um, that puts us in a very vulnerable position vis-a-vis Hashem. Um, as the Satan accuses us, we are, we're looking for a defense. Um, and it's as if we've uh, we've drawn down on our balance in in, in our spiritual bank, and we're in minus. 
So when we do tshuva, or most people do tshuva, they do to get back up to to uh, to zero at least, and maybe accrue a few positives. We're trying to undo all the damage that we did. Now, that's the average. That's that's us. That's the average person. Um, when it comes to tzaddikim, you have certain people who are never going to be in minus. They they have the they have the privilege of having worked on themselves to the point where the Abodat Hashem puts them in a category uh, which is a unique category that says, oh, you're a tzaddik. That no matter what you do, uh, your Avera really is not taking you down into the minus. You could have been at 150, now you're at 120. But, but in principle, you're never going down to uh, past, past zero into the minus. Um, and therefore, such a person who, uh, who is, is, so to speak, passes, passes the threshold of being inscribed for a book of, in, in the book of life because you're a tzaddik and your mitzvot far outweigh your averot. Um, so such a person, what is their obligation um, as far as tshuva is concerned? You know, we start to understand that tshuva repairs damage. But how much damage has really accrued to the personality of the tzaddik? Um, and the, the answer that we look for is simply, no, that's the wrong way to think. And that is as follows. We, we start to think that um, just that you do, a, just doing a mitzvah, you think, okay, that's part of the process of tshuva. And, and therefore, if you have enough, you'll, you'll beat out the amount of averot that you have. The truth is, is it's not like that. The mitzvahs, mitzvahs don't, mitzvahs don't um, wipe out averot. They, you know, they they just create a new bank balance, but they don't wipe out the averot. The only the only mitzvah that wipes out an avera is the is is the mitzvah of of, of tshuva. So you can have as many mitzvot as you want in your in your bank account, but the Avera is still there and the Avera still causes damage no matter who you are and how many mitzvot you have. And so therefore, you have to realize that the mitzvah of tshuva actually applies on two levels. One is to undo damage and get you into a positive balance. And the other one is even if you are in a positive balance, you violated a, a, an Avera and you have to do tshuva no matter how, no matter how many mitzvahs that no matter how many mitzvahs that you've, you've built up. So, says the Ksavzofer that, um, that this is what the, the uniqueness of Ruvain's um, expression of tshuva was. Um, and that is as follows. Uh, all the people that did tshuva before Ruvain, so, you, you know, you're talking about Adam and Cain and, 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 and Yishmael, etc. The, these people who are doing tshuva they're coming from a, a, a bank balance in the minus. So if you look at what a spiritual balance sheet looked like before they did a tshuva, Sadam Marishan had one mitzvah, don't eat from the Eitzadat, he violates it, you know, he's he, you know, he's in minus. You know, and if he's able to do tshuva, you know, then he has to do so. And Cain murders Hevel, so he has to do tshuva. So he's, he's also in the minus trying to come up to zero. So all Yishmael is the same. So what's unique about Ruvain? Ruvain is somebody who's really a tzaddik. 
but he did he, he put him he put one he put one foot wrong and therefore even and, and even that foot that he put wrong he was motivated in his mind that for a, for a while it was a mitzvah he was protecting the honor of his uh, of his mother so um Ruvain is in an interesting position he's not in a position where the avera that he did you know threatens to to undermine his whole entire spiritual personality and that his Averot would then outweigh his mitzvahs. You know, no, Ruvain, the Gemara testifies, is a tzaddik. And then the only thing that he has to do is he's got to just still do tshuva for this Avera. And so this is the Chidush over here. You know, Ruvain could have easily said, look, I don't, I don't have to really do tshuva because I know my mitzvot outweigh my Averot. But he didn't say that. He says, I realize that I've done an Avera. No matter how many mitzvot I've done, I still I still got to do tshuva for this avera, and therefore this is the chiddush of Ruben that tshuva tshuva is necessary, um, even if your bank balance is good, because you compromise the relationship with Hakadosh Baruch on one level, you have to you have to uh, you still have to try and repair it, even if you are somebody whose bank balance is pretty healthy, and so yeah. Sofer comes along and tells us that we need to appreciate where Hoshea is coming from. Ruvain's chidush of tshuva was that he demonstrated that there's an obligation to do tshuva, even if your bank balance, your spiritual bank balance is good and you aren't, you aren't under threat of, of being sealed in the book of death. Um, but still, the fact that there's one Avera there, that has to be, that Avera has to be, um, has, has to be taken care of. And in order to do that, Ruben said, you should have to continue doing tshuva. So um, Hoshea comes along and says, you know, to, to Am Israel, Shuvah Israel, um, Hoshea is coming to tell us that um, you, 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 have, you have to do tshuva for which, for which Avera. So he says, Ki avonecha, because you've, you've stumbled in your sin. Hoshea is telling you that the word sin is in the singular. And therefore, you've only got one sin. So all the prophets that came before Hoshea were telling Am Yisrael, they've got so many sins, they've got to do tshuva. And we understand that. But Hoshea was the first Navi to teach Am Yisrael or to call Am Yisrael to tshuva, um, even though you've got a, a good spiritual personality. And he based that message on... Uh, you know, on his ancestor uh, Ruvay, and so what? 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 Um, why this Haftarah is so interestingly important here for us is because it really talks to us as potential tzaddikim more than any other time. Um, you know, in the year because we're reading this Haftarah on Shabbos, which uh, falls dafka between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and um, and therefore, on Rosh Hashanah, we understand that there's um, there's a person's. We've all just gone through a, a Yom Adin, and Akash Baruch Hu's uh, created this balance sheet and and try to work out where we stand. And um, when Rosh Hashanah was was upon us, um, we uh, we we don't consider ourselves individuals with a healthy set of uh, set of mitzvot. We you know, we'll pass if, if the majority of our mitzvot are, you know, are there. 
but um, but Rosh Hashanah would have been a day upon which we would have been judged and we would have sort of like engaged in a kind of cleansing process. Yom Kippur comes along and says that no matter what Avera you would have done, even though you would have got into the book of life on Rosh Hashanah, you've still got to get every single Avera atoned for. And so even if we passed and we came out the other side of Rosh Hashanah and we feel good about ourselves that that we uh, that the majority of us will be inscribed there, but Yom Kippur is a slightly different message. It's not just a stay of execution. It's like it's 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 getting close to Kosh Baruch Hu. And the only way to get really close to Kosh Baruch Hu is not just to rescue the relationship that might have uh, might have come undone, but it's to repair the the tear to a point where you almost it's like invisible mending. You see that you see that we've come as close as we can to Kosh Baruch Hu. And so Yom Kippur, the message there is, is that we all have to do tshuva for every single avera that we did, even if we passed into the, the book of life on, uh, you know, on, on Rosh Hashanah. No matter what, whatever avera we've done has caused a certain amount of damage, and we have to come along and, uh, and do something about that. And so this haftarah then takes on a slightly deeper meaning here, um, because it now sets the tone for Yom Kippur. Um, so, so, uh, you know, as I heard in a, a shir by Rabbi Bernstein on this topic, he quotes this some so fair. So he writes, you see, he ends off there by saying that no sin is too great that Shiva cannot attain, atone for it. And no sin is too small that it should be allowed to go unattended, unattended to by Shiva. And, uh, and that really is the, you know, the, the unique position that uh, this particular uh, Haftorah of Oshaya, Shiva Yisrael, um, you know, has as a call to do tshuva, specifically by Oshaya, who comes from the, from the watchable, from the, from the house of Ruvain. And uh, this is the Chidush that, um, that, uh, that gives us a bit of a deeper appreciation of, uh, of the Haftorah of, uh, of, of Shabbos, of Shabbos Shiva. Uh, Another comment which we're going to um, encounter um, is, uh, is that of, uh, of Hakel. So this, 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 year, this year in particular, we, um, we have, a, we have this, an opportunity to, to talk of this, uh, this, this mitzvah of Hakel because it's in our parasha, parasha Vayelech. And so yeah, in parasha Vayelech, what uh, what we look what, what we're trying to appreciate here is what is this, the nature of this particular mitzvah of, of hakel? What uh, what, is, what does it mean? How does it come to be? So the, the Torah tells us that um, we uh, we have to we have to gather Klal Yisrael um, to come together um, every seven every seven years, and this this. This massive communal gathering um, would would gather Klal Yisrael, let's let's say, to the Beit Hamikdash, and that in that huge courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash, everybody would come to hear uh, the Melech, the King, read out certain sections of uh, of the Torah, and that's uh, related to us in in safe in safe Dvarim Aleph. Now, it's also interesting to note when this. Mitzvah is to be performed. 
the, the mitzvah is to be performed um, in the middle of um, just after Shemitah. So exactly our year this year, we've, we've just finished the year of Shemitah and comes Polamoy Sukkot, the second day of Sukkot, that's when Hakkel would have taken place. Today in, in Israel, we, uh, you know, they, they would probably try to, they have been trying to reenact this and get as many people to come to the Kotel and hear people read these sections from Sefer Devarim to reenact the experience of, uh, of Hakkel. Um, now, to appreciate the nature of why Dafka this mitzvah is to be applied now uh, when it comes, uh, when it comes uh, just after Shemitah. So the Shemi Shmuel has an, an, an interesting uh, viewpoint here. And he says as follows. He says that if you really appreciate what Shemitah is trying to achieve for us, what Shabbos did to the weekday where it gave us that time out in order to appreciate where we're going and how we're building ourselves. So Shemitah does it to the whole cycle of seven years. It's an entire year where we take a step back from, from generating um, income and creativity to reorient our, our focus and our goals, specifically with, with spirituality in mind. And therefore, the nature of Shemitah is to take a proper sabbatical and the purpose being not to just go on holiday, the idea is to take that year and, um, and go to the base of Medrash and spend that year proper sabbatical you know, learning learning Torah. So now, as the Shem Mishmuel, if this is true, where you have a farmer who's taken off entire year and he spent the entire year engaged in Talmud Torah, so um, so you so you say as follows that uh, the person now is, you know, gone through a year of preparation, and this is almost like the seum. This is the kind of the the seum of. Uh, of one's um, of one's year, and you celebrate it with kind of like a, a part of certain sections of the Torah being read, and it's and it's read by the leader of Klal Israel, um, and the, and the reason why it's so important for the Melech to do it is because the Melech is the the heart of Klal Israel. He represents he represents Am Israel, and um, what uh, the the fact that you've had a year of learning almost like as a year of of, of introspection and preparation for your spirituality going forward. Now you're in the right position to actually uh, have the ceremony, you know, um, you know, after, after, after Shemitah, and then rather even during the middle or the beginning of Shemitah. Um, it, it has, it has an effect because you've spent the entire year learning to appreciate what the Torah is telling us by motivating our connection to, to our Kodesh Baruch Hu through the, experience of Hakkal. And so ha, the, the Shemitah year is almost like kind of a uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur exercise, if you will. And and the reward is now, once you've had this year of tshuva, of, of re-motivation, so then Hakkal has a maximum imprint upon uh, the Shomer, and therefore the mitzvah is, uh, according to the Shem Yishmuel, given, given a specific time frame that the uh, Sukkot right after Shemitah is the time when we read um, these sections from Sefer Devarim. All right, so I'll leave you with those ideas and wish you a good Shabbos. And um, I'll see you. Have a good Marchatimatovan. We should all be uh, benched for a
a year of gesund, panosa, nachas to everybody. So, call to there. Shkur chamein, shkur chamein, Rabbi, have a good yontif. You too. Good year. Bye.